0: The scripture reading for today is from 2 Corinthians 4, verses 1 through 6. This is the word of the Lord. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For, For God said, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The grass wither, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever.
1: All right. Thanks, Abigail. Um, well, um, I think I've shared before that years ago, uh, before Missy and I lived in Sorville, we lived in Tallahassee, Florida, <laughs> Uh, I worked with crew, campus crusade for Christ, and uh and there was a group of guys that would get together often we would go play uh basketball. There was a church that gave us a key to their gym and so we would go play there and uh and anyway, uh, one one day we were there, one night we were there playing and there was a uh, one of those kind of um, uh, kind of a new guy to the ministry. He wasn't real new though. Like he'd been around for like a semester, maybe even two. Uh he'd been playing basketball with us for a little bit. We kind of had a crew that played basketball kind of consistently and he was kind of new to the crew, but he'd been there several times, so it wasn't like a completely new person. Um, he, was, he was a good guy, you know, it's been 15 or more years, so I forget his name. I want to say it starts with a B, so we'll just call him Brandon. That could be right, but it's probably not, but anyway, he's a good guy. He was one of those guys who, uh, if you ever play basketball with guys like this, they, they kind of drive the lane like a, like a maniac, and like somehow, like they jump, they turn around and throw the ball up, and somehow it, it goes in, but he looked like a wild man whenever he would kind of come in and, and do this, and he was Seemed really lucky to me. It seemed less like skill, more like luck, when when the ball would go in. So anyway, we're we're playing one day, um, and then uh, I guess it was in between games. We're kind of hanging out, you know, uh, waiting for the second game to start. He comes up to me. He's like, "Hey man, where's the where's the bathroom?" And at this point, I'm standing at about half court, and the the restrooms are like directly like from me to the sound booth. And so I say, "They're you know right across the way, right there." And so he you know goes over there, and I and I kind of watch him go over there. And and instead of going into the, the door where the restrooms were, he goes into the storage closet. And so anyway, so I see him do that and just think, it's kind of weird he did that. It's just kind of self, it's just super clearly marked, you know. So he comes out and says, hey, uh, where did you say it was? And so some of y'all don't know me, but this fits my personality. I was like, no, no, you had it right. Just go back in there and, and just go back in there. So he goes back in there and I see him kind of fumbling around and I'm kind of laughing and then he comes back out, you know, hands up, like, I, I don't see it. And so then I just give him, like, these real vague, nonsensical directions. Like, no, 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 it's just straight back to the right, kind of on the left. He's like, okay. So, you know, he goes back in, and he's kind of fumbling around. Uh, and, and then one of the other guys, like a senior in the ministry who's was, who was good friends with Brandon, comes up to me, and he's like, you know, Shoemaker, what are you doing, man? And I was like, I want to see how long I can keep him in the storage closet, you know, because <laughs> it's so clearly marked. You know, this guy is just completely clueless. Um, And then he said something, the the senior said something that changed everything. He said, Kevin, Brandon is legally blind. I I died, you know, and I I sprint over and I'm like, Brandon, I had no idea you could not see, you know, and so I just apologized profusely. I'm so sorry. I'm just, you know, whatever I can do. And, you know, I I, I walk him to the bathroom as far as I should go. He's like, here it is, man. And so like, like I'm just old school because like to me if you play basketball you're not blind right and so I had no idea right so <laughs> here's where I'm getting at if I didn't just like like ruin all my credibility for to give a message right now but but here's the thing, and here, here's how so like you know good vision is 2020 and he was 2200 and so that meant like on the eye chart you know the E at the top if you can see that you're 2200 and he was barely twenty two hundred, and he couldn't see below that, so he couldn't see the signs that were clearly marked. And so, anyway, obviously, I felt I felt terrible. But here's here's why I tell the story. <laughs> this is probably a bad lead up to this. Probably not worth it to give the, the the analogy here. But blindness can be deceiving, right? Sometimes people can be blind, and it doesn't look like they're blind, and they function like someone who actually has sight, and you can actually. Uh, think you see without really seeing, and you can kind of play along with what everybody's doing. And it kind of was how he played basketball. It just it didn't make a lot of sense. He seemed kind of like a, like a, you know, like a wild guy going in, but he, he couldn't see, but he could kind of see enough to we can go through the motions and, and get by okay. And so here's the thing. Being a Christian is about seeing something more than it's about doing something. Being a Christian is about seeing something. And just because you grow up around people who see or because you live in a culture that, that seems to act as if they see, doesn't necessarily mean that you see. And and if you don't see, it's not something you go and work for. The The seeing that the Bible talks about is, is a gift. It's not something you go out and you make happen. The only way you see is if seeing is actually given to you. You don't work for it. You don't get it like that. So so today what I want to talk about is what God wants us to see, what prevents us from seeing it, and finally, how someone becomes able to see. And so my my three points as it relates to seeing is going to be this. Uh, Number one, the goal of seeing. Number two, the obstacle of seeing. Number three, the means of seeing. So first, the goal of seeing. So first, I want to go back to to chapter three and a little bit of what I talked about last week and, and pick something up. If you remember last week, we talked about the New Covenant. And in chapter 3, verse 6, Paul refers to himself as a minister of the New Covenant. Now, the New Covenant is a really big deal. And and, and in order to be a Christian, you might not need to be able to explain what the New Covenant is. But if you are a Christian, the New Covenant happened to you. it's, it's It's a really big deal. If you're a Christian, the New Covenant happened to you. And, and if it didn't happen to you, then you're not a Christian. Okay, it's a, it's a really big deal. And in chapter 3, Paul contrasts the new covenant with the old covenant. And he describes the old covenant as God's law, which we see in chapter 3 is written on tablets of stone. Think about Moses at Sinai. And then the new covenant is different. It's better. And we see in uh, chapter 3, well, in, in 3-3, describing the new covenant, we read this. And you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. So where the Old Covenant, the Old Testament law, was written on tablets of stone, it's an external thing. The New Covenant is written on hearts, on the hearts of believers. So it's internal, and that's why it's better. Like, the, the 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 scriptures are clear that the new covenant is better than the old covenant. And and that's not to say we should throw it away that it's bad or anything like that. It's saying the reason it's better is because it's gone from something external to something internal. The, the old covenant is like a book you can read, and the new covenant is like a program that gets downloaded to your soul. And kind of like that scene in the if you've seen The Matrix, where, where Neo Kevin, uh, uh, Kevin uh, Keanu Reeves uh, has like jujitsu and all these other things kind of downloaded into him to a system where he learns it and he just kind of knows it automatically. Well, in a similar way, that's what's happening with the, with the new covenant because the new covenant isn't just an, an idea to get, though it is, it's something that happens. It's God downloading his law onto your, our hearts and it makes you want to follow and obey God's law and it really messes up your ability to enjoy sin. But, but the Spirit does more than just download God's law onto our hearts. The Spirit gives us sight. So look at uh, chapter 3, verse 14 through 18 with me. So 2 Corinthians 3, look at verse 14 through 18. It says this, verse 14, But their minds were hardened, for to this day when they read the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted, meaning they, they can't see. Because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. Again, they cannot see. Verse 16. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed, meaning they can see. Verse 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord. That's what we see. The veil's been removed, and we see something, and it's the glory of the Lord. And we are being transformed to the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord, who is Spirit. So the Spirit is enabling us to see the glory of God. All right, so, so let's get back to chapter 4. This is what this sermon's supposed to be on. Now, in verse 1 and 2, Paul is saying that they're not trying to be smooth in proclaiming the gospel but just simply stating the truth. Then in verse 3, he says that some people cannot see. In verse 3, says, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Then in verse 6, we see how people come to see. And, and this is where we find the goal of seeing, all right? Verse 6, chapter 4, verse 6, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Or as verse 4 puts it, the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. So the goal of seeing for Christians is the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Or the light of the gospel and the glory of Christ. That's God's ultimate goal for us. Not the, the ultimate goal for us, God's ultimate goal for us is not obedience. It's not even our salvation, but it's seeing the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, to see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, not even just to be saved or to be obedient, but to glory in the Savior himself. And this should be our goal as a church, not just to be good and moral people, not just to have good marriages, not just to do a lot of good things and help out a lot of people, that I hope we do all those things, but to see the glory of God, in the face of Jesus Christ. That's the ultimate thing we want as a church. And look, this is what we should want as parents for our children, right? Not just good behavior, not just for things to work out for them, but ultimately that they would see and delight in the glory of the gospel of Jesus. The ultimate goal of God, the goal of the Holy Spirit for us, is not behavioral, and it isn't to be emotionally well, or mentally healthy, as important as those things are, there is something that goes beyond all of these really, really good things that we want as a church, and it's this, seeing the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's what we're moving towards. That's why we're gathered here today. This isn't a a, a rally for obedience. This is a worship service. Today, when you came here, the goal was not to entertain, or, or this isn't even about you. We are collectively coming together to worship our God. And so it might go long, it might be too hot, it might be too, there might be a lot of things that are off whatever it might be, but ultimately we are gathered here. There is one audience, and it's not y'all, and it's not me. It is our God, right? And so this is what we are moving towards. This is God's goal for us to see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But there is someone working to keep people from seeing this, which leads me to the second point, the obstacle to seeing. All right, look at verse 3 and 4, chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. It says even if our gospel is veiled it is veiled to those who are perishing in their case the god of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of god so the god of this world the devil satan has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing something so so more than to keep them from doing something satan wants to keep us from seeing something and what does he want to keep us from seeing? The light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, which is just another way of saying what we see in verse 6, the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And the God of this world blinds unbelievers so they can't see it. It's not there. I mean, it's just you can't, no matter what you say or what you do, they can't see it, and they're not going to see it. And look, this is why Paul says in Ephesians six twelve. That we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That sounds serious. The spiritual forces of evil over this uh, the cosmic present darkness. Look, there is something happening in the world, right? And we can proclaim the gospel. And look, we're in Mississippi where the idea of Jesus died for sins, that, that's pretty, pretty well out there. Now, certainly not everybody knows it and it's clear on the gospel, but certainly that message has gone out. People have seen it and it's just been dull to them. It, it doesn't capture their hearts or imagination. And look, Satan wants to keep them from seeing the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And so... There's a power at work beyond us that is keeping people blind. And look, I think sometimes we can work along with Satan's schemes uh, in this regard to keep people from seeing the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Because don't we make Christianity and church about a million other things besides the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ? I mean, don't we so easily do it? I mean look I, I'm I'm not I'm not getting on y'all. I'm saying I do this. And isn't this is what we do with with our family, with our children, with our spouse or whatever. We're trying to make things work and God's glory is like, oh yeah, yeah, and, and God's glory is good too. That's that's that deserves a seat at the table. But it's not the ultimate thing. And, and wouldn't it work with Satan's schemes? If we urged people and, and try to hear what I'm trying to say right now, because this is gonna be this one of those parts that can be measly uh, easily misinterpreted. But couldn't we work with Satan's schemes if we urge people to make a decision for Christ or to pray the prayer or to walk the aisle? Look, I'm not against those things. And I think those things actually can be great in ways that people come to salvation. So I'm not against those things. I'm just saying those things can be produced by, by man, right? Like, like I can probably make someone feel guilty enough or scared enough or whatever to make them make a decision, Does that make sense? You know, uh, Charles Finney is is from hundreds of years ago, about 100 or 200 years ago, uh, was known for putting people on the anxious bench is what they called it. And people would start getting nervous while he's kind of giving this gospel call. They would put them on the the anxious bench, (laughs) and he would just hammer them until they would just kind of repent and confess and all that. And look, that is not how people convert. You're not, you're not pressured into doing that. And it might happen. Like people might actually make a decision. They might get baptized, walk the aisle, or whatever that thing is. But when those things become the goal, then it's it's a, man, it's, it's a man-centered way of manipulating people. And people aren't converted by manipulation. It, that's a natural way for it to happen. And conversion is supernatural. And so Paul doesn't want to do this. He doesn't want to manipulate people. And that's why he says what he says in verse 2. Look at Verse two, chapter four, verse two. But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Paul is a minister of the new covenant. It doesn't require great salesmanship. It requires a supernatural act of God that Paul can't make happen. And obviously neither can we. Paul cannot undo what Satan has done in blinding the minds of unbelievers. And so what can Paul do? If he's powerless to to take the blindness away, if he's powerless to take the blindness away, what can he do? Well, all he can do is what we see in verse 5. In verse 5, he says this, For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. All he can do is proclaim the gospel. And that's all we can do is proclaim the gospel. It's God's job to give them sight to see the light of the gospel and the glory of Christ. So now let's spend a little time considering the means of seeing. My third point, the means of seeing. So uh, on this, I want to share a couple of uh, theological terms. Uh, Most of y'all are kind of fine with theological terms. Sometimes people kind of roll their eyes or frown at these terms. They seem kind of complex and uh, kind of maybe high fluting or, or whatever, but here's the thing: is that sometimes these terms are helpful uh, to have a, a word or a term that can capture with in, a, in, a, in somewhat of a simple way a complex idea. For example, you have like the, the Trinity; that's a complex idea, right? But we have this word Trinity. You won't find that word in the Bible, but when I say Trinity, we all know what we're what we're talking about there. And so, the the, the two words I want to introduce here, the two terms, are, are these. The first is the, the general call or some might call it the gospel call. So, so the first thing is the general call or the gospel call. And then the second is the effectual call or effectual calling. One belongs to us and the other belongs to God. So l- let me explain both. First, the general call or the gospel call is simply communicating the facts of the gospel to, to a person, to an unbeliever. Uh, and this goes out to all people everywhere, right? Right. And as obedient Christians, we should aim for the gospel call, the general call, to go out to all people everywhere, locally and globally. We have a specific responsibility for Starkville, Mississippi, for Mississippi State, because this is where God has put us. And so we need to make it our aim that the gospel will go out clearly from us. That's the general call, the gospel call. And when when the general call and the gospel call goes out, people might or might not respond, they might or might not believe. We have no control over people converting. We can't make it happen. It's supernatural. And it's it's just as supernatural as the creation of the world. Look at chapter 4 verse 6. Chapter 4 verse 6, Paul writes this, he says for God who said let light shine out of darkness. Does that sound familiar? It's another place in the Bible where we we uh, read something like that. It was creation, right? And so how did light begin to exist? God said, let there be light. And there was light. Light existed because God spoke it into existence. And so how do Christians become Christians? What happens to make a Christian a Christian? Is it it something they do? Is it a decision they make? Look at verse 6 again. For God who said... Let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So how do Christians become Christians? By God speaking them into existence in the same way that light came into existence. When he said, let there be light, and it was so. So when God spoke creation into existence, it wasn't uh, when he did that, it wasn't a frustrating process it worked and it worked the first time it was effectual that's the second term right it was an effectual calling when god calls someone to himself or to see they see you know every now and then at the house you know a, a light or something goes out a plug's not working in the in the house and i go to the breaker box right and i'm kind of flipping switches and i you know I flip a switch and i yell in the other rooms like hey is it working now how about now and we kind of go through that process sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't and, and when, when God was creating the universe, he didn't say, let there be light. Hey, angels, how about now? Is there light? Or do do I try again? Do I need to push a button? No, when he said, let there be light, it was so. There was light. And in the same way, when he calls Christians, they come to life. They come to see. In the same way, whenever you were converted, however it happened, where there was a slow process growing up in a Christian home, and, and it's not really, you're not really sure when you converted or came to Christ. You just know it happened somewhere along those times. or Whether that was the case or whether it was a sudden shift where, where you uh, clearly saw your sin for the first time and the Savior and it was all clear all at once and you converted. However it happened, if you are a Christian, it is because God spoke you into being a Christian. And so you know what that means for us as a church? It means we don't need to try to be smooth. Or cool, or especially relevant. I mean, I think I'm smooth and cool and relevant, but you don't need to try to be right. Look at what Paul says in four two. Says we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. So we don't need to try to make God look cool or church seem fun. We just need to simply proclaim the gospel. We need to be faithful with the gospel call and entrust God with the effectual call. Because our ultimate goal today at the worship service and as a church in general isn't just to to try to stop doing bad stuff and start doing good stuff. It's not just to become healthy emotionally or healthy mentally. And it isn't just to build really sweet community or know the Bible really well. Look, I hope all those things happen. Those things aren't bad things. They're just not ultimate things. But our ultimate goal should be whatever God's ultimate goal is. And that is this, that we would see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, that we would see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. May God give us eyes to see that. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we want to see... For those of us who you have called to yourself, we do see how easily we are distracted, though, with things that are less ultimate than the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And so, Father, I pray right now, as we sing and glory in the gospel, would you open our eyes and stir the, our affections for Jesus, that we would delight in the Savior, uh, for the Savior himself and the glory that surrounds us, the gospel. And so we ask this blessing now, that it would strengthen us in the days and weeks to come. Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen.